Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. We're moving through a really small series called Overcoming Faith. And really over the last couple weeks, we have been attempting less to define these words that we're all really common with, right? We all know the word hope, and that's the problem with hope is that we use it all the time. Just yesterday, even though I've been really working hard not to use the word hope when I really mean I wish, I did it like 10 times. And the kids now are like, Dad, I'm like, I know, I can't stop it, right? It's just in there, right? We hope on these things. And, and what I'm really saying in those moments is that I hope things work out for me. I'm hoping that the things I've done will manipulate the situation to such a degree that I'll benefit. That's what I'm really hoping. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is this framework that any circumstance that I enter into, I know no matter the outcome, Christ is victorious. See, and it doesn't matter if we walk in knowing that. Here's the good news. Christ is victorious. That's the hope. The hope we have isn't that it'll work out, right? I hope my retirement doesn't flop. I hope I keep my job. I hope my kids go to church more than at Easter and Christmas, right? I hope this or that. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. That's not biblical hope. So we're, we, but the problem is we know the word so well that we use it. Yes, last week, Pastor Milt's message on confidence was fantastic. And he, he helped to less, he helped us to not necessarily define the word, but to develop this framework to see when we're hoping in ourselves. We're having confidence in who we are. Because that ends, right? Whatever you're endeavoring to do, I assure you, at some point you'll find you're not enough. And that's sobering. And we don't like to admit it. And some of us have lived a long, large part of our existence believing that we're enough. And that our, our mere presence in a situation is all that's needed. But when we walk into a situation and we aren't enough, we realize we don't know what to do. And that our confidence in ourselves is limited. That's what Pastor Milt said. It, it has limited potential. But when we have God confidence, we have unlimited possibilities. So today we walk again into a word that we all know well. You may have it tattooed in like Hebrew on your body somewhere. Fantastic. It's not a negative. If you do that, do not show me, at least now. Maybe send me a picture because that could be neat. But anyway. Do not send me a picture, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, I'd like to keep my job. We've got some stuff going on here. I don't, we've got a good thing going. I don't need a lot of pictures of hope, courage tattoos. Uh, but the word courage is prevalent in our society. We know, right? We want courage. I want to be able to gear up, and I want to be able to do the things that I'm supposed to do. Courage. I want to have Courage. So I don't need to define the word for you, but I think if you and I were honest with ourselves for a minute or two, we'd say, Does it, it's not that I don't know what courage means. It's that I don't do it. I don't use it. I'm not exercising it. There are times that I walk up to a situation, and the problem with courage is that a lot of times no one knows that I need to implement courage. It just looks like me just going, I'm just going to do what I normally do, and that's what I feel comfortable with. That's where I feel comfortable. I'm going to hang out right here in this little area where I could sort of control it. 
But courage is when I do something, right? And so we don't need to define it, but we need to develop some system where I can tell myself the truth. The problem is the truth of the situation is actually overwhelming. So for a few minutes, we're going to talk about the reasons I don't think it's going to work. And the reason it's not going to work is because the circumstances that we are walking into are more than we can handle. There's no amount of gearing up. If you were to come to me and sit down with me and I didn't have the Bible, I would say, you know what? You bring up some good points. Why don't you just back away from that? Let somebody else figure that out. That could bring harm to you. Because biblically, when we look at this word, we realize there's a reason that people are kind of not doing the things they need to do. It's because the things that they're asked to do are more than they can do. But we got to get over that because it's just us. What if it was just us, 130 people in this room? What if it's just the last 130 people and there's still a mission? And we realize that the church of Jesus Christ from the first time when Jesus came back was going in between walls and things, and then he ascended into heaven at their, at their scope. Do you understand the people in this room are enough to do what Christ still wants to be done? And it's not to do what you can do, it's to do what only he can do, but we have to somehow build something that makes us believe that what we're being asked to do, even though it's overwhelming, is something that we can be a part of. But how do we do it? I, I went to school in Waco, Texas. No, I did not go to Baylor. My wife was going to Baylor, and, uh, and maybe one of the only smart financial decisions I've ever made in my life, I decided to go to the junior college next door. Translation, I couldn't get into Baylor, Okay. But I was going to this place called McLennan Community College, the Crusaders, fitting. Uh, and I was there, and I was going to a church in Waco, and it was a college group, and we were good. And they were talking about sharing your faith and how we have to, this very same message that we're talking about, we have to have courage to do what only God calls us to do in specific situations. Really the same talk I gave earlier, right? And I'm walking through campus, beautiful campus, and there is a girl at a bus stop. I didn't ride the bus. I had an old Datsun that I drove, and I was walking in my car, and I heard a girl crying at the bus stop. And I thought to myself, now's the time. I mean, there's somebody's crying on a bus stop. I'm going to stop, and I did. I turned around very casually as if I was looking for something, and then I walked back as if I was going to get on the bus. Didn't want to make it obvious. And I sat down. She didn't notice because she was sobbing intensely. And I looked over at her, and I said... I couldn't help but notice that you seem sad. And she didn't say anything, but she did sob less as she looked at me. And I said to her, I'd like to tell you something that has brought me a lot of hope. Over the last couple of years, I've, my father, you know, and he's had a rough spot. And as a result, my family's had a rough spot. And I've been through a, a rough patch. And I found that Jesus was the only way to that and through that. And, and I've not ever cried like you were crying in public, but I'm crying inside sometimes and I'm feeling and I just wanted you to know that Jesus is offering you the same hope that he offered me and if it'd be okay I'd like to pray for you and I know that I don't know what's going on with you but I'd like to pray for you what's your name you know what it's okay you, you just keep it's okay and, and I'll just pray for you is that okay so I pray I didn't know if her eyes were closed while I was praying because I was praying I wanted her to see a good example even if her eyes were open so I didn't give the old 
to see if she was paying attention. So I prayed for this, this sweet, sobbing young lady, and I said amen, and I turned around to tell her, and now she's not sobbing as much. Praise the Lord. And I'm like, okay, and she goes, that's my bus. And she got on the bus and left. And I'm like, I'm still going to write her name down. I'm going to raise my hand when they say, did you share the gospel? I'm going to raise my hand at college group and say, I did, but nothing happened. I don't know what happened to that girl. She got on the bus and left. That's the end of the story. There's no fun Jesse Hardy story where I tell you later, you know that girl, I tracked her down and I found her and she's now a televangelist and she's leading people to the Lord everywhere. No, I don't know if the situation that she was a part of, I don't know if it ever got better. I don't know anything about this girl. All I know is it was kind of embarrassing, and I really never shared that story until like a year ago. So I'm like, well, that was a, wait, hold on, walk me through what happened here, because I didn't want to share with that girl. It was weird, it was uncomfortable, I said a lot of things, I fell through it, but it was like all the perfect things for that girl to say, I just asked Jesus into my heart, right? But she just got on the bus and left. So the question that I have to ask is, was that a waste of time? Should we even share with people that we don't know? Because as a result of that, I mean, it's just a little bit weird and uncomfortable. I don't... What, what was the result of that? What's the benefit of that? And listen to this. We're going to get into Hebrews 12 here in just a second, but let's look at Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, the hall of fame of God's people. The writer of Hebrews chronicled this. We, we're going to hit on a passage about this, but... But what, is the, what do you get for what you do? What is the benefit of this whole thing? Why are we having a strong face? Why are we showing faith? Why are we walking through these difficult circumstances of life? Well, look at this. This is what it says in Hebrews. I'm going to jump all around, but Hebrews 11, if you're looking for somewhere to start reading God's word, this would be a great way, place to do that. Uh, God's letter to us, written by people. It says this, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand the entire universe was formed by God's command that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. And then it goes on to talk about Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, these pillars of our faith and understanding. And what they did. And it said it was Sarah. And this is what it says in Hebrews eleven thirteen. 13. Listen to this. And all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised. But they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. Were they pillars of our faith because they saw it through to the end? No, they died before the end. Were they pillars of the faith because they did something that couldn't be accomplished? No, they did what they could do and they died before the end believing one thing, that God would do what he promised to do. That's where you and I are. Listen, it gets worse before it gets better. This is this. You get down there, talking about these people. It starts in Hebrews eleven twelve. 12. I, I know nobody's gonna read this. It's too sad, really. Here's what it says. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of all these other people. It tells their names. 
Here's what some of the things they did. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire and they escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies in flight. Women received their loved ones back from dead. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at. Their backs were cut open with the whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. But listen to this. All of these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for all of us so they would not reach perfection without us. It doesn't mean they're waiting on us. It's saying that God was saying, hey, I'm going to show you all the better version of what you think is good. Listen, there are some people that came out of the fiery furnace. Chadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There are some people that did these things, but no one got all that God promised. There were some in there, while some received deliverance from pain some were given all the pain they could handle and they died as a result of that pain for some people they were destitute for some they were laughed at mocked and jeered for some all of the worst things in life the things that we hope will never happen as they happen to them the things they thought they were doing that were good it appeared on the surface from all appearances that it was bad And yet if I believe that God is who God is, then I know that God hasn't changed and I know that the circumstances, while different here, culturally, must be the same for us. So the question is not, do I need to define courage for you? No, I need to figure out how you and I could still do the things we need to do despite the truth of the results of some of the things that we need to do. The question isn't, will I? The question isn't, will some good things happen? Yes, they will. The question isn't, Jesse, will I be the one sawed in half? My gosh, I hope not. But is it there? Yes, is the truth that the courage we need is going to have to come from somewhere else because the things we actually need to do that matter, that give us life, that give us purpose, that make us feel like we're doing something that we were created to do will come at a great cost. And sometimes you look at somebody, you give it all you have, and they just get on the bus. And sometimes you look at someone that you want to love the rest of your life, and they say they don't love you. And sometimes you want to raise some kids to raise up and call you blessed, and they don't. And sometimes you want to have a job where you make a lot of money, and you do, and you're miserable. And sometimes you want to do these things, and that's where we need courage what does it take well here's what it looks like there's more okay good news there's a lot more here hebrews 12 says this hebrews 12 1 all those people we just talked about abel enoch all the things that happened true and true and reality and we hope we're on that group but we might be in this group we don't know all of that says this and this is where we're going to spend a few minutes and we're going to go home hebrews 12 1 says therefore since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. 
Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. It brings us to this idea, this idea that I'd like us to have not just today throughout the next few minutes of this message, but for the rest of our time here on earth. Because we aren't made to just exist We were made to do something that matters. But if we don't develop a way that we can trust that wherever we are sent, wherever we feel God leading us, whatever we've been called to do, whatever we've already done, that God was already there. So it brings us to this very simple concept. Courage comes from knowing God is there. Where? Wherever he sends you. Wherever you are, God is there. And whatever idea you have, whatever thing you come up with me talking to that girl at the bus stop, guess what? I didn't have to talk God in to going with me. And I wasn't out of God's will to walk up to that girl and share the gospel with her just because she didn't accept Jesus. I didn't come up with any new idea. God gave me the idea. And when I walked up to that girl, guess what I did? I went to a place God was already there working. That's where courage comes from. Knowing that where I'm going, where I'm sent, is God is already there. That's how I can go there, is because God's already there. Courage is knowing God is there. That's a framework we can walk into. Cubicle guy across the hallway, kid that you hired, person that you love, uncomfortable conversation needs to happen. You don't have to wonder, is God there? God is there. Courage is knowing God's there. And if you had the idea, you walk into it and you know. I'm not going, it's not like I created this idea. God needs me here and I might not see the result of it, but I know that as a result of it, something's going to happen for good. Maybe not for my good. And that's what I think we need to talk about. You're good and God's good. Not the same thing. People don't get sawed in half. God's not wrong that that one guy in here, I don't know who it was, got sawed in half. God was still good. Good came from that horrific event. And that person was right to go there. To take that stand. Here's what we do. We don't look back at all these other people in verse 2. It says this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. We don't need to look back and go, man, we need to look forward just like these people did to something better. And we are the, we are the benefactors of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Because by the way we evaluate success, Jesus failed on the cross. We evaluate successes, whether it blesses me, whether it makes me better, whether it makes me good, whether I, something happens, whether I can share it with my friends. That's how we evaluate success in the kingdom. I didn't share a story about sharing the gospel with a girl because I was ashamed that she didn't come to know Christ. Success for me was evaluated by who came to know Jesus, and that's it. But here's the deal. Jesus was crucified hung on a cross and died. Does that mean the ministry of Jesus was a failure? Well, by my standards, sometimes it was. But Jesus did this, and I can look to him, and I can keep my eyes on him during the tough times, and when I'm asked to go to places that I don't want to go, 
And I'm not talking about far off lands. I'm talking about sometimes right across the bed. I'm talking about sometimes right across the hall. I'm talking about right across the office. I'm talking about right across a phone where you need to call somebody that you didn't call for a long time. I'm not making some major statement of some distance we all need to travel. I'm saying that sometimes just the small distances we need to travel seem like a million miles. And the only way we're going to do it is if we keep our eye on Christ. And not to say, ooh, I want to be like Christ. We should. But to say, what did he do? Well, he, he did what he had to do for what? For the joy awaiting him. For the immediate benefit? No. You don't scream out for the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Unless you, unless you know there's something else. So you and I might have to understand that there's some things that we're asked to do, and we need to understand that courage comes from knowing God is there. Because the result of what Jesus did, he did it because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. There's a lot of things I do because it will be embarrassing. I don't do because a lot of things I do because it will be embarrassing to other people, but a lot of things I don't do because it would be embarrassing to me. I'm a father, of course. I, we had all my kids, my older kids had their significant others over. So it's like some switch flips, right? You say the most stupid, awkward, cringy things for like eight hours. I get around my buddy's teenager. It's like I just say the dumb. I'm like, oh, hold on. But you, you're like, you just get cringy, right? Guys just do that. I love to embarrass others. But guess what I hate? I hate embarrassing myself. I mean, I'm the, the whole different person. There's a lot of things about me that you can make fun of. The way I run, it's horrible. And I'm very sensitive about it. And it's very important that you know this. If I'm running, and I'm, this is a very dad joke, but it's a big deal that you start running immediately, okay? Because I don't do it because it's so embarrassing. I used to say, just a few years ago, the word sword, I used to say sword. That's a very embarrassing thing, right? It's, uh, somebody's over there, grammar person, they're just very judging me. I know it, I feel it. It's embarrassing, right? There's things about me that I hate. And, and listen, that's the stuff I'll share. There, actually, I'll share a lot, but there's a whole lot that I won't because I hate that about me. See, there's something we need to understand. Yes, it's pain. Yes, it's discomfort. Yeah, we're all there, but what about when you look really stupid? What about when you're the only one? See, Jesus did that. Do you understand? He did that disregarding the shame. What you're saying will say this about you. Are you okay with that? Verse 3 says, Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. And after all, you've not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And have you forgotten? This is important. Before we go to five, let's stay there on three and four. After all, have you not, you have not yet given your lives. If you're looking at Christ, you're not looking back because that's, it's important to know it's there. It's important to know the truth of what we're being asked to do. But if we look forward to Christ, we know that what he endured, we have not yet endured. I know that because you're here. He lost everything, including his life on the cross for us. And with courage, he got on that cross. Why? Because of you and because of me. 
He endured the cross, not because of what he would receive, but from what God would receive and what we would receive through that. Courage is knowing God is there. But then it gets interesting, and we're going to spend a few minutes here, and we're going to go home. Verse 5 and 6 take an interesting twist. It says this, this is after all of this, after all that we should do, and after all the remembering that who Christ is. Here's what it says. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as, a, as his children when he said, this is good, guys. Turn to the page. Don't forget, there's encouragement here. We all have encouragement. Here's what he said. He gave us encouraging words on the very cusp of our pain and anguish for him. He says this. My child, it's a great start, God. Don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. Okay. That doesn't sound encouraging, honestly. That sounds like more of the same. Here's what it says. Again, encouraging. Here's what encouraging is. Hey, guys, it's okay. As long as you understand, right, the way we talk to kids, right? Hey, guys, as long as you understand, I love you. You understand that I love you? You ever had this conversation, sit with a kid on the bed? Hey, you know daddy loves you, right? Typically what we say to remind them that whatever we said before in anger, we didn't mean. You know I love you, right? Look at me, right, right here. I'm going to tell you something encouraging. I'll always love you. That's a good place to start. Maybe you've done that. No, nothing you can do would make me love you any less. Right? Maybe you do hand motions. You see how far my, I can't do it because I have a microphone. You see how far my right hand is from my left elbow, son? That's you, and, that's you and things you could do. You can't get far enough away. You might use hand motions to demonstrate how much you love your kids. You might say to the moon and back. That's encouraging. I think God could have done that here, but he didn't. Here's what he said. Hey, here's some encouraging words. Don't forget about the discipline that I'm going to bring to your life and the correction. That's not encouraging except this. We go back to Hebrews 2, and this is what it says. How do we continue to have courage? How do we continue to have faith? Here's how we do it. By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Perfects and discipline are similar here. They're similar words. And so we want to be perfected. I want to be right. And I want to be perfect. But that only comes through discipline. And I'm not talking about getting a spanking here. We correlate discipline with spanking because we're Americans and we're pretty heavy handed. Some of us, right? That's where like, Hey, don't make me spank you. But that's what we correlate with discipline, but that's not discipline. Discipline is a is a method or a training that we get upon to be made whole, to be better, to find a system that works. And that is what happens when we become Christians. We're not perfect, but we're being made perfect, not through Jesus, that, but through a course that we live that helps us find who we are in Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus did. So we want to be made perfect, but to be made perfect requires discipline, requires somebody to show us a method or a means with which we can become a different version of who we are now. It's what we want. It's what we want for 2021. It's what you want for your fitness and your diet. It's a very sore subject for me right now. 
It's what we want for all these parts of our life. But the truth is, none of it, nothing, to pick the smallest, most, the safest thing that you and I can talk about together. And it all comes through some form of a discipline that we have to undertake. Now, maybe you got a thigh master for Christmas, and you're going to just watch that Suzanne Summers video, and you're going to watch it. And I'm telling you, if you got one and you watch the VHS tapes, if you happen to have a, you're going to get that discipline will provide a result. If you got a Peloton, that will, that will, that discipline will bring about a result. If you started eating, pick away. That will bring about a result. The result will happen as a result of that discipline, and that's what you and I are on as followers of Jesus Christ. And it isn't you and I getting in trouble or God punishing us because he doesn't love us. That happens. He does correct us when we get off of that discipline, but only because he loves us, because we're his children, because of the whole sitting on the bed, talking to each other thing. Do you know I love you? He does that. I've seen him do it. It's in the Bible. He did it to Peter. Do you love me? Yes, yes, I love you. Then do this. He doesn't say, hey, he's like, hey, good, we're good, get to work. That's what he does. That's how he operates. Because you doing the good work I set for you makes you better. That's the discipline. So it isn't so much what you and I know about courage as about what you and I do about courage. It isn't so much will we fail. It isn't so much will we be sawed in half. It isn't so much will we be out of the furnace. It's to see whatever context we're in as that there is this overarching hope that confidence can't be in us and that the courage is that we need to take steps into every single place that we are called to knowing that God is already there. So two things we can do. It's easy. Right now, when I pray in a minute, and I'm going to pray this general prayer, I want you to pray specifically for yourself. God, will you show me and make it clear where you want me to join you? Please, God, just make it so clear that I'd have to say, nope, that can't be it. God, would you make it so evident that I go, and this isn't going to be what you want to do. We're not praying that, God, you would, but God, will you show me where you want me to join you? And I'm telling you, for every person in this room, it's going to look different. Will you drill inside of my heart the core belief that wherever you ask me to go is where you already are currently working? And secondly is this. Do it. Do it. Listen, we don't need a definition. If you want a definition, you can look it up in the dictionary if you want to know what courage is. You want to know what hope is. You want to know what confidence is. We don't lack for knowledge. Honestly, the knowledge you have is the exact reason you feel so miserable is because you know there's so many things. And I'm asking you to free yourself from that. There's really no reason to carry around this guilt. If you're doing this out of guilt for God, it's really never going to work. It just doesn't work. It's the same thing if you guilted yourself into doing anything January 1 or 4, whichever you decided. It didn't change a thing. Guilt doesn't work. If guilt worked, donut shops would be out of business. Nobody goes to a donut shop and is like, you know what? Guys, today, we're making a good decision. You know what you say if you go to a donut shop? Hey, you're lucky it's Sunday. Monday, we're not going to the donut shop anymore. I feel horrible about this decision. If guilt, if guilt was working, like, there'd be so many sweet people that own donut shops out of work. 
It doesn't work. Free yourself from that. Guilt is pointless, meaningless. It doesn't do anything. But what you're being called is a conviction. That feeling you feel is a conviction that God has given you. And here's what he's doing. He's not shaming you. Although what he's asking you to do may bring shame. And he's not trying to punish you although, or bring pain upon you, although what you're being called to do may bring pain. But what he's asking you to do is something far greater. He's asking you to join him in this work that's so much greater than yourself. But we got to believe that he is where he called us. And when we believe that, that's courage. That's when we see it happen. It isn't the definition of courage, but it's the only way courage is going to work. So 2021 is what 2021 is. And you know what? 2022 will be that way. And maybe 2023, whatever it's going to be. It doesn't really matter. Maybe whatever 2020 was doesn't matter. But here's what I can tell you. Unless we start living with some courage in real life, we're going to be real miserable this whole year. But there's a real good hope. And what would it look like if the 120 people in this room this week did one act of courage, believing God was where he sent them? Every person in this room. It'd be a, we'd come back and people would be dancing. People would be crazy. Let's see what it looks we're not going to do that. We're Baptists. It's not going to happen. We're all going to act like we don't know each other. But you know what? We're going to have a lot of stories to tell, okay? Because it's really about believing God is wherever he asks us to go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, for all that you've done. And all that you've asked us to do, we thank you for the reality. The realities of what it means to follow you are there. And one thing that the people of Hebrews 11, all throughout the, the scriptures, all that it says is this. They were just people that went where they already believed you were. We're not asking to be released from whatever may happen, but we're asked to be given a clear vision, clear direction, and that you'd give us a quick fulfillment so that we would continue to do it, not for ourselves, but for your kingdom, for someone else, for some other family years down the road to break the chain of whatever they're going through, that we would step out and take on shame and pain and suffering so that something would be broken in the realm of sin in your name. And some of the people in this room are living smack dab in the middle of the pain of what you've called them to do. And I pray you'd give them a fresh belief, a fresh portion of perspective today. Because your prayers were never that we'd be removed from the pain, but your prayers were when the pain stopped that we'd have the faith to share the truth of who you were with someone else. And while we're walking in the reality, we pray that you'd give us that strength. I pray that you'd give us the insight, wisdom to stop relying on ourselves and start relying on you because we want to live this world with a faith that overcomes the obstacles. We don't need a new definition of faith. We need a way to make faith real in our lives. And that comes through hope. That comes through confidence. That comes from courage. But none of that comes without love which means it comes from you. So we pray that you give us love 
through the powerful name of Jesus, through as we look towards his place on the cross that he willingly took, as we use him as an example, and as we champion him as the perfecter of our faith, that we would look to him and be everything he is in love and in truth and in action. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.